You're listening to Perpessence with Brian Dussel. Hello, and welcome to the Perpessence Podcast. I am your host, Brian Dussel. I just want to toot my own horn for a moment. It's not a very big horn, but it's my horn. We have been getting a lot of buzz with the podcast and landing some fantastic guests. Guests who I wouldn't think that we would be able to get on the show. But they believe in the vision and want to pay it forward just like myself and all of you listening to this podcast. Well, at least I'd like to think so. But someday, I will be able to toot a big horn, like a Viking horn. Anyways, we have a really good guest today. His name is Matt Lloyd. He is all that is man and a really nice guy. He is a professional climber and owns his own gym called Mountain Strong. He is based out of Denver, Colorado, but he can be found all over the world. He tells us stories of his adventures and is able to show us a different lens on life through his daily struggles and pushing limitations. Check out his website, mountainstrongtraining.com. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the podcast. Psyched to be here, man. Yeah, thanks for taking uh, your, your time out of your day. Seems like... Uh, what do you, you said? You're uh, climbing all week. That's what you're doing. Yeah, I um, I'm a pretty active person. I uh, I tend to climb outside about five days a week, and then I own a gym here in Denver, Colorado. And uh, so when I'm not out climbing or training, I'm coaching. Oh, okay. Uh, are you like a trainer, or what are you doing? Are you just uh, owning the gym as your passion, or? Um. Well, you know, it's kind of like uh, I guess a lot of things, right? There's a couple ingredients in the pile. Um. I enjoy coaching, and I coach uh, both technical climbing, like the skills okay. to be a good climber, and then I'm a strength and conditioning coach nice. as well. Very nice. So, um, so two kind of different things that do tend to overlap. Right. Um, and then the gym is a, it's called Mountain Strong Denver, and we uh, cater specifically to outdoor athletes, uh, climbers, <laughs> mountain bikers, kayakers, skiers, uh, crossfitting, and cool. uh, yeah, and so we kind of have this like little hub for that kind of community in Denver and. So it's a fun place to hang out. I love it. That's awesome. Well, that's Denver for you, though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm. A, I uh, actually went, went to school, got certified in personal training. Uh, I don't know, six years ago, eight years ago, something like that. So like, that's cool. I, I saw that you owned a gym. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was fun, man. I uh, was out climbing with a friend of mine one day, and we were talking about how we hadn't found a place that really. Uh, connected with us, what we were interested in. You know, you have big right. climbing gyms, and they tend to be a little bit birthday party-esque, you oh, know, right. like kind of dating hour. And right. then there's like 24-hour fitness, which is like, you know, those kind of places where it's like bros kissing their biceps, and yeah. there wasn't like a good in-between. Yeah. Um, we liked the CrossFit vibe, but it was like a little too like competitive slash not applicable to what we were interested in. So right. we kind of took that model and then applied it to outdoor sports. Cool. I love it. Yeah. It's definitely very unique. We don't have anything like that in Ohio. So that's real cool. Hey, isn't a West Side Barbell in Ohio? Am I making that up? I might be making that up. Uh, I have not seen it. No. Okay. What's West Side Barbell? 
Uh, it's like um, a famous gym that they're in. It's like really weird powerlifting techniques. You should check it out. It's uh, they're like uh, they call it conjugate method. It's like um, it's like uh, putting bands on a bar and, oh, and like gosh. a lot of weird lifting stuff. But yeah, uh, I've, I've a lot seen of success. that. I've seen yeah. that bands, chains, and exactly you know, all just, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's been around forever, but like they probably commercial like made it commercial or something. No, it's like a super small underground gym. Yeah. It's uh, you should look it up. The guys uh, are like real hardcore. You can't just go work out there. It's like um, <laughs> and they've been around for a very long time. So yeah. maybe maybe it's the same thing. I mean I know those techniques have been around, but they've kind of uh, uh, made a institution behind it. Okay, I think one of the big ones we have. It's not huge, but like a chain that's kind of like that. Uh, it's called Powerhouse Gym. It's uh, that's, I think that's probably nationwide. I'm not sure, yeah. but they're more of the Olympic lifting and stuff like that. So you're climbing five days a week, and how long is your sessions? Well, I mean, uh, so I make a portion of my living as an athlete, and uh, so there's a lot of dimension to it. You know, I'm out for like I don't know four or five hours every day. Uh, but it's like I'm not climbing that whole time. I'm like hiking, exploring. I have to drive places. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of downtime, but um, you know we create some content. Uh, I write for some magazines, and like all of that kind of like melds together to help uh, support my lifestyle as an right. athlete, so I don't have to have a normal job. <laughs> and um, and then also it's a lot of fun. I get to hang out with my friends, be in the mountains every day. Uh, you know, I very rarely go a day without um, getting out into the mountains. Nice, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, five hour, like five hour ish a day. That's uh, that's definitely. When I I used to be a runner and I would run twice a day and it'd be like, I don't know, like say my long days are like eighteen miles or something like that, and I would have another run. So the one run would be eighteen miles. Another one would be like just a, I don't know, loosen up, maybe a half hour, twenty minutes. So that's like. I don't know, two, three hours tops. So I'm thinking five hours. That's a, that's a long time. <laughs> I mean, I'm not in a bad way. I'm just saying, like it's like I'm trying yeah, to I imagine mean, it. People go to school for eight hours. People go to work for eight hours. What I do is way more fun. Yeah, I could do it for <laughs> twenty hours, dude. It's not a time issue, you know. I'd do right. it for long. Very, very cool. Um, so explain to. Uh, some of the audience or well all the audience what climbing is like what is what entails climbing uh like for me i'm gonna assume that people know what climbing is uh but for me like there's obviously a bunch of different types of climbing and uh i really kind of specialize in in uh difficult technical rock climbing so super steep uh kind of dangling from your fingers sort of stuff okay um, i enjoy uh I do climb, uh, do some alpine climbing. So I travel to, you know, the Cordillera Blanca or Alaska, um, or Patagonia and climb big routes, um, you know, like several thousand foot ice and snow routes. Or I go to Yosemite and climb multi-day rock climbs, El Cap or Half Dome or something to that effect. Um, uh, but mainly day to day, I'm climbing what's known as traditional routes. Uh, they're like short, let's say thousand feet or less, uh, shorter. Uh, routes and like I'm trying to achieve as as difficult climbing as I can, or I'm trying to climb it without ropes um, at all, which is my same main focus these days. Yeah, I was seeing that the uh, free climbing. That's uh, yeah, seems pretty intense. 
What, what was it like when you first started that? Just like, I want to, you know, free climb. Well, uh, free climbing, just to like clear up something that a lot of people uh, say incorrectly, free climbing means climbing with your hands and your feet without the aid of mechanical advantage. Right. So every time you go climb at the gym, you are in fact free climbing. If you climb without a rope, you are free soloing, yeah. which is a little bit different. And it's uh, climbers notice it, so it's a little thing that, to know. But, um, you know, I... I've never really, it doesn't feel intense. Well, sometimes it feels intense, but most of the time it doesn't because free soloing is really like, for me, the tip of the spear. Like I put in so much work and so much practice. If I am scared of something, I wouldn't free solo it. Um, it's only things that I can command total control on. Now that might be something that other people can't control. So they see what I'm doing is really crazy or intense or dangerous. But um, as you would not put a toddler behind the wheel of a car on the highway, uh, but only with enough experience and practice can you get on the highway totally safely. Oh, for sure, uh, It's yeah. the same analogy, right? It's like with practice, things become really uh, a lot safer, and you're able to mitigate those dangers much more easily. Right. Um, what, was, what was the first climb you did that was free climb that was like made you really nervous? Um... I uh, I don't know. I've had a few like you know. It, I was actually just listening to a fighter talk today. I train a lot of fighters. Okay. At my gym, and um, we were discussing if you think about things a lot, you're probably not in the zone and not doing a very good job at them. And I uh, I feel the same way. I don't think a whole lot while I'm climbing. Like I, I try not to. There there are times I do, and when I do think, it's like shit is going wrong. It's like a kind of a panic response. Yeah. Um. But, but by and large, I like pretty stay pretty empty, you know, and it's kind of nice. It forces you into it. Like, um, you know, it's definitely a state of presence. It's kind of like, um, you know, if you were to meditate, uh, it's the same thing. It just gets you there a little faster. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Cause I, I meditate and when I ran, like when I actually ran, like as a athlete, I was in a state of meditation. Like, same thing with music. I'm meditating. It's like I'm. Time does not exist at that time. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I could do music for eight hours, compose for a film, or or write a like uh, some epic music piece I'm doing, and I'm like, wow, eight hours went by. It doesn't even. I haven't ate. I haven't drank water and nothing. Like, I try to, but like sometimes I go a long time without doing that and. No, I totally get it, man. I uh, I often don't eat until 3 in the afternoon. I get up at 5 a.m. every morning, no exceptions. And uh, when I'm, like, out doing my thing, it's like I don't get tired. I don't get hungry. I don't drink water sometimes. I just, like, kind of YOLO, you know, Yeah. for lack of a better word. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely it catches up with you because you'll notice and start crashing a little bit. So, uh what you you're a you're an athlete right you're like sponsored or you do like competitions or uh yeah i don't i don't compete i used to when i was a kid i traveled all over the united states and um competed uh i mean i almost i was probably traveling every weekend my junior and senior year for climbing competitions but i don't do that anymore mm -hmm. uh i have a handful of companies that support me uh 
you know, I'm a sponsored athlete. Uh, I make a little bit of money from a handful of those companies and they help me, uh, go after my dreams really. And, um, they just kind of, uh, make it work because climbing is expensive. It does take a lot of time and, uh, they certainly do not cover all of my expenses, not even close, but, um, they really make it, they really help and they, and they help in other ways too, by, uh, like promote the things that I'm working on right now. I'm working on a television show uh, or web series rather. Um, that's uh, in season one. We filmed six episodes, and uh, you know a lot of the support as the companies have given us is like paid for airfare or paid for music rights or paid to get you know an, an episode edited, and that's uh, been really helpful. Oh, cool. So, what kind of show is it? Is it like a documentary or? Are you... Um, well, it's going to be, uh, it's a little web series. We interview different athletes each week. Um, and we take them climbing. They're not necessarily climbers. Uh, we interview Matt Chan. He's a CrossFit games athlete. We have, uh, kind of, uh, a, uh, suicide girl, kind of a exotic dancer esque. Um, we interview, uh, uh, yoga kind of, uh, teacher slash, uh, leader. Um, we, uh, interview fighters and, um, venture capitalists, anyone that we can, we take them out climbing, uh, make them a little uncomfortable and, um, and ask them a ton of questions. I mean, it's not that much different to what we're doing here in a way, um, except there's a little bit of a visual with it. Oh yeah. Right. And, uh, get to see them scared shitless at times, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's really something that was the main premise, um, I have worked around a lot of high-level athletes in my life, and um, if you notice something after an NFL game and they interview the athletes and they're like, they're like, hey, uh, how'd that football game go? And they're like, oh, we did good. We got to do better. They're a good team, but uh, you know, we'll pull it together. They give you bullshit answers. Um, everyone has a <laughs> yeah. facade. Even right now, while you're talking to me, you're trying to be like, I want to look cool. I'm doing the same thing, right? Yeah. Everybody does that all the time. And the premise of, of taking people out and making them uncomfortable is a little harder to do that. Oh, of um, course, yeah. You know, it doesn't have to involve, you know, climbing, but, uh, you know, that, uh, internet show Hot Ones where they eat hot wings. Have you seen yeah, that? Yeah, I love it. You know, it does the same thing. I mean, it, that's all it is. It's like if you give somebody something to do, it can help, uh, break down that facade and, uh, you can get a little bit more of a genuine glimpse into who someone is. Man, now I want some hot wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, not from Buffalo Wild Wings though. That's yeah. that does my stomach wrong. Now I'm, I get stuck in the bathroom for a while. <laughs> uh, so like, do you always solo? Or do you have uh, a group ever with you? That yeah, climbs? I mean, yeah, I I, uh, I don't only do uh, I don't only free solo. I mainly uh, I have a couple of people that I, I rotate around with and climb. Um, and what's fun about climbing is that one day I might be bouldering, climbing really short, small, difficult lines. The next day I might be climbing 500-foot routes in El Dorado Canyon. The next day I might be soloing easy stuff. The following day I might be climbing some of the more difficult lines in Colorado, or trying to at least. I like to establish first ascents, um, which is kind of an involved process. And uh, like I said, I write about all those kind of uh, endeavors and um, – yeah, and it's kind of fun because each person I climb with has like a different style, so they bring that element in uh, each time we come out. Nice. Got any exciting stories you could share with us? Oh man, I mean, that's probably the one part about climbing that's awesome is they're uh, uh, 
there's lots and lots and lots of exciting stories. Um, but, uh, it's a little bit like, uh, dancing. Uh, it's, uh, hard to be put on the spot, I suppose. But, uh, last year I went to Denali and, uh, spent a lot of time being really cold. Um, and, uh, and people always kind of connect with that. It was, uh, we arrived at the 14,000 foot camp, which isn't that high if you were in Colorado. I mean, it would be the top of Colorado, but it wouldn't be that high, uh, you know, as compared to 20,000 feet. Um, and it was in the neighborhood of minus 40. We were there really early season and Denali sits in the Arctic circle or near the Arctic circle. And, um, it was about, you know, minus 30, minus 40 for, uh, maybe 36 hours in the middle of the day. And, uh, it was the most heinously cold you could ever imagine. I'm talking like in your sleeping bags, water bottles freezing, like in a down sleeping bag with down pants on. And it was still cold. It was like a next level. You know, I've been in a lot of cold places and, uh, I had never seen it quite like that. Uh, we ran into this French party and they were like, they'd been there for a day and they're like, it's too cold. We're going down. I, um, I had, I had mentioned to another, um, climber that was there. But it was really cold, and he was like, "Yeah, man, you're on Denali in the springtime, like early spring. We went really early season." And he's like, "I don't know what you thought it was going to be, but um, you know, it's uh, a lot of pretty surreal moments. You find yourself like alone um, in a place that's really not very hospitable. It's a bit like being on the moon." Um, and uh, I find that that's like one of the reasons I ended up writing. I wasn't very good at writing, but I have all these awesome experiences. And uh, people really connect with them, even if I write like a three-year-old. What made you want to go to Denali with negative 30-degree weather? Why not, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I mean, the truth is, like, uh, I like to do as difficult things as I possibly can, um, as often as I can. Uh, you know, a few little uh, points from life for me is uh, nothing cool happens at home. So get the fuck out of your house, okay? Because... <laughs> If you're at home, nothing's good's gonna happen. You know what? If you're at work, nothing good's gonna happen. You got to get out uh, and and go to new places. Right. That's where the magic happens. You yeah, know. Yeah, gotta and, uh, explore. Yeah, you got to go to new places. It doesn't matter what that is. You know, uh, a lot of times I wake up in the morning and I'm feeling a little burnt out on climbing the zones that I normally go to. So I just look at a map and I kind of dig in there and I find a spot and I just go to it, even if no one will go with me. I'll go by myself. You know. Right. And uh. That's kind of the Denali thing. Like I've done that all over the world. I've climbed in Patagonia and Chile and Argentina, um, climbed all over Europe, Africa, uh, Canada, Alaska, United States, like Southern Asia. And um, you just kind of pick it on the map. I I met this uh, legendary old climber. His name was Jim Danini. Um, He, I believe, was some kind of Green Beret in the Vietnam War and is responsible for putting up some of the gnarliest routes ever done. I'm talking like... 50% 50% chance of death routes. Anyway, so we're out in Indian Creek and he, uh, where I'm climbing and, um, and he's like a, he's an old, tough vet kind of guy, like kind of mean and aggressive, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and he's like making fun of me and, uh, like just joking with me a little bit. And I just kind of joked him right back, you know, and right off, right out of the base, he, base, like he, um, he said a few things that I thought were hilarious. He's like, "Hey Matt, when you're when you're my age, you never pass up on a boner, you never trust a fart, and you never miss a bathroom." <laughs> and, I, and I was like, "All right, right on." Pat, what do you, what do you, okay, I got it now. I'm like, yeah, pass sorry. up a boner, like 
Yeah, okay. like if you if you get a boner, you better use it. If yeah. you see a bathroom, you better use it. You know. Okay. Like you don't know when the next one's gonna happen or when the next one's gonna be found. Anyway, right. so um, you know, I'd heard people ask him once, um, how do you plan these big expeditions? And he was gonna give this big talk on it. Like it was gonna be this big lecture on like yeah. a, on on creating an itinerary and a plan for an expedition. Anyway, so he gets up there and he says, book the fucking ticket. And kind of just stops talking. And you know what? It's the absolute truth. If you close your computer right now and then you book a plane ticket to Thailand for 1500 bucks, you know what's going to happen? You're going to Thailand. Oh, yeah. like, I spent the money. I'm yeah. going. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But if you do it in reverse where you wait for the perfect time to go to Thailand or you're going to be like, I don't have the money right now, so let me wait until I have the money. You will never have the money, dude. People just spend their whole lives waiting to get ready to do things, yeah. and they never actually do them. Because the only thing that needs to be done to do something is commitment. And if you spend the money on your credit card, you're going to have to find a way to pay that bill, right? Right. So I like forcing myself into something rather than just like waiting for it to appear. Right. I'm the same way. You just dive in and learn. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's kind of like you know, you're creating a podcast. You had an idea, and you just do it. Um, right. you know, in the first couple, like people are so scared of being embarrassed. Like, oh man, I've been embarrassed so bad. Like I've been on stage in front of, you know, 500 people and my voice squeaked. <laughs> like, yeah, so totally. Funny. You know, and you look back and maybe your first podcast wasn't very good or your second one, but you know what? You're learning. It's a process. You can't learn unless you do it. Right. I am a complete rolling junk show on some climbs that I go on. Forgetting the gear, going to the wrong place, getting lost, getting scared, backing down for some reason. Everything but being a badass. But I look back on it and I still remember having fun with my friends and learning shit. And yeah. Now I go out with my friends and people are like, how do you know that? And I'm like, oh, because I fucked it up. You know, okay, so I went to Patagonia, or uh, sorry, uh, the Cordillera Blanca in, um, not Ecuador, in Peru. Okay. And uh, we were out there climbing and, dude, we thought we'd save weight by bringing one two-person tent for three of us to climb like a 20,000-foot mountain. Yeah. And it was fucking gnarly. There were like three of us piled up in there. It was a junk show. But you see, now I know. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you like you have to learn things the hard way. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. I have never been out of the country. <laughs> oh, man, you got to get on that. I know. I don't like shots, though. <laughs> you don't like what? Shots. <laughs> don't you have to get a lot of shots? No. Oh, only if you go to Africa or something. Or well, Australia. Even then you don't have to. I thought you gotta get like like all these crazy shots to go somewhere. Well, I mean, it depends where you go and if you want to, but no, not really. I mean, I went to Africa twice a year, every year, for I don't know, 15 years or something, 10 years, and uh, I took malaria medication a few times, but yeah. mainly I didn't, you know. So. <laughs> I guess you're fine, so. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, you just like I said, you just go for it, you know. Whatever, yeah. you get a little sick. I'm, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I, I don't like shots, but that's not the reason. I'm just kidding. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I definitely want to get out of the country uh, sometime. I don't know where I want to go though. You know, I, it doesn't. You know what? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter. Oh uh, yeah, do you still run? Oh, uh, man, no, I don't. I used to. Uh, I used to do like eighty, up to eighty-five miles a week, and like would run a lot yeah 
I dedicated Tra- trailer road. I was all road. Uh, I wasn't a trail runner. I did some trail runs, but uh, I've only actually not trail runs. I've only done one trail race. It was like a 15 mile, 15.5 mile race in the trails. It was fun. I got lost actually. I actually don't think I told this story on the on the podcast. I was at Oak Openings in in Ohio, and it's got like a fifteen point five mile trail. That's why we did that. And you sign. It's just like any race. You sign up and do it. And it was a windy day, and there's signs, and the signs got blown off the course. And I was like top three, so. No one really knew they were blown away because no one like kind of like, oh, where do we go? And so there was no helpers or workers or whatever to fix that. So the signs got blown away and I followed someone and then we split off and we got lost. So I ended up doing like something like 28 miles that day and didn't finish a race. I was like almost dead last. And like people... Apparently, uh, adventure racing, that's the crux, is the navigation. Yeah, well, if the signs blow away, where, <laughs> where do you go? And like, I'm like, I'll just follow the road, and hopefully I make my way back, and I did. But, yeah, I I was like top three, and got like dead last, and I was like, yes, civilization. And, uh, yeah, that was a crazy day. Uh, man, that, yeah, I... I think that kind of drove me to not do the trail run so much. I've always wanted to do like an Ironman or something. I, I've always said that, but I suck at swimming so bad. I'm so bad well, at swimming. Yeah, but that's how you get good, right? Go sign up for an Ironman today. And you're going to get good at swimming. Man, you know, you have to swim, what, like uh, 2.5, 2.4 miles. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure it is. <laughs> I'm you doing one lap and I'm out of breath. You know what? I bet if I threw you in the water two miles from the coast, your ass would get to the coast. I sure would try. I'll tell you that. Yeah, put your kid on the coast over there, and then you throw in <laughs> one on them, and then I hope you'd get there. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Have you heard of that Dave Goddard guy, a Navy SEAL? Uh-uh. No. Oh, you should check him out. Woo! He's pretty inspiring. He ran like a 100-miler off the couch with no training whatsoever. He's just got like the most gnarly tryhard there is. Yeah, but you he's a Navy SEAL. Out. What do you mean off the couch, though? Well, I mean, like, he'd never run 100 miles before. Yeah. doesn't matter. I'll whoop a Navy SEAL's ass at climbing. I don't care how yeah. good you are. It's something, you know, like, well, you got to train go, for a sport. They had to go through that, what, hell week? I heard that yeah, pretty intense. Yeah, but it's a week. What's hell week? Yeah, but it's a week. <laughs> of hell. <laughs> yeah, but of one week, dude. Yeah. You could train 18 hours a day for a week, and it makes no difference to your strength or yeah. ability six months from now. I, I always tell that to my clients at the gym. It's like... What you do today is kind of irrelevant. You're not going to get stronger today or faster today. So don't overdo it. Rather, right. try to train 100 yeah. days this year. We're not here to impress anyone. That's what well, I it's not that. It's like it's not a matter – I mean maybe you are there to impress somebody. I'm trying to impress people. You know, it, it has something to do with how much money I make. What I'm well, trying to say I is mean, that – I mean training. It's a, yeah, it, but it's a – I mean – you can still try hard. My point is it's mm-hmm. the number of days you get in a year that make you better, not how hard you work on one day. Oh, for sure. So I see someone who's like a little overweight, and they go into the gym, and they're fucking YOLOing, dude. They're working so hard. They're kicking ass. I want to go up to them and be like, chill out. You're not going to solve this today. 
right. do a little bit, then do it again tomorrow right. and the next day and the next hundred days in a row. And now you're on to something. Right. Like the you guys know, it, that work in the, work out in the gym, like two, three hours. It's like, you could be super effective in 20, 30 minutes, hour tops. It's like, you you're at the gym for three hours. You are talking and looking on your phone because no one yeah. is training for three hours. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 They're like looking at the window, checking out their biceps, kissing, you know, yeah, they're like kissing their bicep. Yeah. They're like, I'm going to forget this huge spare tire on my waist. I'm just going to concentrate on my biceps. <laughs> yeah. They don't want me to do the tries. Do yeah, you, exactly. Do you even lift, bro? Bro. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of cool. Like our gym has all the different kinds of athletes. You know, you have your like straight up. People that just want to do like the heaviest squat they can, and then you have your like milers that want to run a bunch, and then you have your yeah. distance peeps, and then like I like all the different styles, man. I like sports. I always have. I um, my new thing right now is I want to do. Uh, I've been training Muay Thai, kickboxing, and um, jujitsu for, uh, you know, bouncing in between those for about a year and change now. Yeah, and, I've, uh, I've, I've done those. They're amazing. Yeah, no, super fun. And so, have you ever done any jujitsu tournaments? Oh no, I've done. I only did jujitsu for about, I want to say, eight months. Then I had uh, was having a kid. I'm like, oh, I have a year left. What do I want to do? And I wanted to write an album, but I want to get him in jujitsu and then get back in it with him. Nice, yeah, dude, it's super fun. And so now I'm pretty psyched on doing a kickboxing smoker, like a small amateur kickboxing fight. And so that's my next little side gig. I I'd do a kickboxing fight right now. That would be fun. I'd be way out of shape, but I would do it. That sounds really fun. Yeah. So uh What's your gym called again? Uh Mountain Strong. Mountain Strong. Why did you did you come up with the name? Yeah, sure did. Uh we we're just when back in the day when we were all climbing together, we'd always kinda like be like, Oh, how are you feeling? And someone'd be like, Oh, I'm pretty mountain strong right now, meaning like when I go climbing, right, I go for like a, let's say there's a several mile hike and then you go climbing and then you're like jumping through boulders, carrying a heavy pack and then you get back. So it's like a different kind of fitness yeah. than you get at the gym. Like, so I can go like, let's just say I go out with a good CrossFitter. They will smoke me at squats. They could smoke me in 400 meter runs. They could smoke me in Olympic lifts, all these little individual things they will crush me at. But I have yet to meet very many people that can beat me over eight hours or nine hours. Like, and even ultra runners Yeah. because climbing has this such a crossover. It's like you have to have your legs strong, arms strong. It's scary. You have to be tolerant of the cold. There's just so many levels to it. Right. And uh, so that's what we're like, Oh, I'm feeling mountain strong. Like, uh, you know, it, it just kind of was representative of being, it's kind of like a Renaissance man of sports. Like, uh, you're like tough to the elements, you're fit, you're strong, you're bold, uh, you know, and that, that the culmination of those things. So that's awesome. what came Yeah, that's definitely cool. I, I def that's one of my goals this year, go out to Yosemite and, uh, skate, uh, go out there. They have like a class or a course you can do and, uh, just want to try it out. Yeah, I mean, uh, there are some of the best climbing gyms in the country in Ohio. You should go there and start there. It's a good place to start. Yeah, I see. I'll have to see if there's one around. So, people that are listening that aren't climbing or don't know the lingo and stuff, like, how can they take what you do into perspective? How can they 
you like you have to deal with elements and everyone has to deal with elements right it doesn't have to be nature but it could be like uh confronta- Absolutely. confrontation it, from your coworkers or family or and you just don't know how to deal with it and like it's, you want to deal with it but you don't know how so how can you relate uh climbing during the toughest like experiences climbing how can you relate that or take that and how can people, the audience, how can they relate to that? How can they use yeah, that perspective? That, that's pretty easy because first off, when I was younger, I would have told you that I loved climbing, that I was, I was born to be a climber. It was love at first sight. I'm 35 years old and um, I look back on it and it's not, I don't, I don't think I care about climbing. I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's a vessel. Okay. It's like a tool that I use to grow and learn. Um, and it doesn't matter what tool you use. I think it could be computer programming, it could be yo-yoing, it could be running, it could be being a father or a parent, it could be running a business. Um, I think you just have to approach something from a stance of ownership. You know, you're like, this is what I'm gonna do. And then there's little things, like I treat everything like a little challenge. It really is helpful. Like whether I'm building a deck or whatever, it's like, when something is scary, let me back up. I think I got into climbing because I was scared of things. Okay. I uh, and and climbing was a really visceral way to see fear and run into scary things. I mean, everybody when they're on the side of a cliff gets scared. Everybody. Oh, for sure. It's windy. It's cold. Everybody gets scared. Yeah. And so I was just like scared of everything. So I decided I was going to find a way to take control of that fear, and that's what I've fallen in love with: is finding ways to control fear. When I see people get scared of something, whether that's a boss at work or criticism, and they turn and run away from it, I find that like the worst possible reaction. What you should do, it's like, I think climbing has taught me when something is scary, go into it more. When someone gives you criticism, they're telling you what they don't like about you. Think about how awesome that is. Everyone doesn't like something about you, everybody, right? Right. They might, you know, they could be your best friend, but I'm sure there's something they don't like about you. Oh, yeah, uh, you know? So when someone criticizes you, they're telling you what they don't like about you. That's really cool. Like you can twist anything like, oh, you get shut down on a climb. You could be a failure or a loser or you're like, oh, I just learned a bunch. I got into shape. I discovered a new area. You know, it's like if you go mountain biking, you don't have the best bike or something like whatever. You're dragging a heavier tool. You're going to be better. Like it's like finding an, um, a positive way to spin it, putting yourself out there, forgiving yourself for any mistakes or losses that you have. And then just whenever something scares you, go back to that relentlessly. I am fucking petrified of being punched in the face. So I'm just like, I need to take up, like I met these these uh, UFC guys that were so inspiring. And uh, and I just like find myself going out there and I'm like getting over that. You know, like all of a sudden you get popped in the face a couple times and you're like, oh, it's not so bad. Yeah, and then mean, you're good to go. You're ready to go now. Yeah, but it's like apply that to everything, you know, like instead of viewing something that's scary and then not doing it. That should be like a flag that's like, do this. I tell people at the gym. So each day I write a workout at the gym. And um, you can wake – it gets sent to you at 8 p.m. at night via email. Anyway, and uh, you can look at that workout. And let's just say for me, I hate handstand push-ups. I hate them. I got these scrawny little arms. I'm six foot five, 185 pounds. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot, of, a lot of push-ups. Oh, yeah. Like my arms, uh, my wingspan is five inches longer than my height. So finger to <laughs> finger. Yeah. Uh, I am 
what is that? Six five. Yeah, I have a six ten wingspan, nice, right? We call nice. that a five plus five ape index. So those things are really hard for me. When I wake up and see that workout, that's what I need to be doing. The powerlifter guys, when they look at the workout and it says we're running at five k, they don't want to go to that workout. They're looking for squat day, right, or deadlift day. Yeah. But the thing is, the thing that you fear, the thing that you don't want to do, that's what you should be doing. Yeah. Because you're already good, you're already good at what you're good at. Yeah. And here's here's a little subtle thing to this. It's not about getting good at what you're bad at. So it's not about me getting better at handstand push-ups. It's about me being able to walk into something that is hard and scary for me and do it anyway. So it's not really about becoming better at handstand push-ups. So when I take up MMA, I'm not going to go be some pro fighter. I just not in the cards for me, you know. I'm not doing it to get good at it, which is a misconception. A lot of people do that. They think that they need to like practice and get good at something. Yeah. The simple act of doing something that you're bad at and walking boldly towards something that you're scared of makes you a a better person and b better at the things you care about. So you traveling out of the country will make you a better dad. You know that, what I'm saying? It has I, I nothing agree. to do with going to a place, right? Like that's what I was right. saying. It doesn't matter if you go to Paris. It doesn't matter if you go to Africa. Right. Because it'll expose you to new things. You'll be the kind of person that wakes up and just does something. And right. I think that's where it's at. Like you've got to be – I don't know very many people that are inspiring that don't get after it. It's like yeah. for whatever reason, they're like really connected. I mean that's not totally true. There are people that are inspiring in other ways. But by and large, like – having the energy to like run into things that they're scared of. I'm like, that's, that's just awesome. You know, whether that's a politician or a, a figure in your community, whether it's like a church or sports team or whatever, it's like the people out, that are out willing to take risks, we rally behind as our community. But I think we can all do that even in little ways, like um, by asking somebody for criticism at work, like that's a scary thing to go to your boss and be like, what am I doing badly and how can I improve? Yeah. So a lot of people don't ask. They stick their head in the dirt. I know I do sometimes when I've been in trouble. I like don't want to hear that I've done something bad. Yeah. But that's exactly what you need to do. Like you need to run toward the things you don't want to do. You don't want to open an email. That's the email you knew to address that day, right? Yeah. Like, it's like you know how many times does someone call you and you're like, fuck, I don't want to listen to that message. I know it's not good. <laughs> so you just put it off and put it off. But that's the thing you should be doing. Like that's the most important part. Anyway, that's what climbing's taught me, and um. And it made me, and more than that, it made me realize that it's not about getting good at those things. It's about doing it and being okay with what happens. Like, it's like some people out there might go to the gym and just get handled. They're not in super good shape. That's okay. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. You don't have to be an Olympian. It's just badass to be the kind of person that just tried anyway, you know? I'm sure the fighters look at me and they're like, what a dingus, dude. <laughs> you know? But I'm in there, whatever. Uh, you know, give it a go. So why not? I think that's excellent information that anyone can use. Thank you for that. Well, hopefully it's helpful. I don't know. Like I said earlier, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, so and you have um, to make mistakes, though. So. Totally, man. And and like, um, you can very easily go back and see all the things I've done, and a lot of them in total failures. But then, dude, occasionally just start working. You know, it's like yeah. dumb. It's weird and like it, that. Yeah, and it certainly seems like if you like you said, make an album. If you make one album, okay, you know how lucky you have to be a, to be a, like a Snoop Dogg to make one album and go like triple platinum? That's crazy. But now imagine yeah. this. Let's say you make 500 albums. Now mm -hmm. all of a sudden your odds of making a good song or making it big are way higher. Right. You know? Yeah. So it's like 
volume makes up for things. And I feel like that's something we don't acknowledge in our culture. Like, you just got to keep trying, keep picking up your shit. I mean, you hear stories like that over and over and over again, like an actor just going for hundreds of these, you know, whatever you call them, like applicate. What do you call that? Like when you go and try out for something? Audition. Audition. Yeah. Yeah. And they get shut down and they shut down. And finally they just get this like mega role, you know, like, oh, yeah. but it's like, if you, if you go for 10 auditions and you get shut down 10 times then you're like, fuck it, I'm not going to be an actor. I right. can't do it. Think of Anthony. Then you're, then you're like, you can't do that. I'm like, no, right. you can. You just tried 10 times and stopped. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins, he didn't get anything until he was, I don't know, in his 50s or something. Mm-hmm. Dude, that happens all the time. You'll yeah. see it all the time. And look how but, great that guy is. That guy is fantastic. Dude, uh, dude, have I mean, you ever seen Westworld? The show Westworld? Oh, my God. It's so good. The season's it's, coming out on Sunday. Yeah. Season two. He's a genius in that show. Oh, yeah, totally. It's all like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you hear that about like Sylvester Stallone in... um. Yeah, uh, in in his movies, like yeah, it's just, it's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, the uh, John Williams, composer for Star Wars, didn't make it big until Star Wars, and he was in his sixties or something like that. Yeah, imagine being a failure—not a failure, but imagine being not super famous your whole life, right? And you're grinding. You're the underappreciated genius, like Jack Black in High Fidelity, right? Yeah. Working at the record shop. Yeah. But it's like what happens along the way is people stop trying and they rest their hat on their failures. So yeah. it's just like if you're like, dude, I heard something from Jim Carrey that kind of caught me off guard. He's like, if you're going to – he said that his dad wanted to be a comedian or something or an actor and he tried and he couldn't do it. So he gave up and he became an accountant. And then he said his dad hated being an accountant. So he's like, if you're going to be a failure, you might as well be a failure at the thing you like to do instead of being the failure at the thing you don't like to do. Because right. like you, you can be a failure working at Home Depot, or you could be a failure trying to be a pro basketball player. And I would way rather be the the, the failure trying to be a pro basketball player than a failure at working at Home Depot. You know, or right. like a better job working at a bank, whatever. You know, like if you're gonna fail, just fail fucking big. You know, yeah. and I think people respect that. So. Oh, yeah, definitely, because you have that passion. You have the same passion as a pro basketball player. You're no different. Just like a, a runner, it's like, or a climber. You're not, if, if you're climbing, uh, like, if you're actually out there and climbing on your first day, you are now a climber. If totally, dude. Yeah. You can do it. It's so easy. Like, you just go and people always say to me, like, how do I get into climbing? I'm like, I don't know. Climb? Walk up to a rock and go climbing, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, so what if someone laughs at you or you do it wrong or you don't have the right gear? I'll tell you this right now. The judgiest people are beginners. <laughs> yeah. Beginners hate on each other all the time. Everyone I know that's a badass, they don't give a fuck. They're like, you show up with the wrong gear. They're like, whatever, that's awesome. You get after it. It's kind of like imagine you're a good dancer and you go to a nightclub. The good dancer doesn't look at a bad dancer and go, that guy sucks. <laughs> the dude not dancing, sitting at the bar, wishing he was dancing – looks at you and says you suck. So the only person you're being judged by are other people that suck. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. Oh, that's very true, yeah. So, uh, you have anything exciting coming up? Well, yeah, I got this, this show, From the Edge. Um, I'll send you a link when that comes out. We, uh, we have a handful of sponsors. We're finishing up editing it. Um, it's good fun. Uh, I'm a silly bastard myself, and so it's it's pretty funny, and we get after it. Awesome. Um, and then uh, I got a bunch of climbs. Uh, I'm hopefully going to head to the Himalayas in the fall for something big, like an 8,000-meter peak, uh, kind of go post-monsoon. And uh, until then, I'm just climbing and hanging out and 
Uh, I've been building a deck, uh, which is uh, not really my forte. I've been messing <laughs> up. But hey, like I said, I'm going after. I'm building myself. Hey, man, right yeah, I hear you. I'm redoing my bath. I'm gonna redo my bathroom, and I don't know how to, yeah. what I'm doing. I'm I'd do rather have it be shitty and I built it than really good and somebody else built it. You know? Right, right. Hey man, I uh, won't be able to chat for too much longer because like, I actually got to go coach, got to go pay them right. bills. Yeah, that works out for me actually. I got to pick up my daughter soon, so. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you very much for having me on your show. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it, and uh, seems like you're onto something, so you should stick it out. Thanks, man. Uh, if before we go, uh, is there uh, one lesson in life that you could tell tell us? Ooh, a lesson in life, man. Jeez, I'm on the spot. I'm normally full of those. I love giving advice. <laughs> don't like taking it, but I, I, I like it. Um, you know, okay, yeah, I got one. I got one. Uh, everybody is trying their hardest. And uh, that's a really hard thing to remember because we judge people so often. And it's like if you can acknowledge that even like a person that's like honking at you in traffic, they're like they're just trying to do their thing that day. You know, they're having a shitty day. They're taking it out on you. It isn't your fault. And I feel like if you can look at people and realize that everyone is trying their hardest, it gives you a certain level of empathy for people. And um, and that's taken me a really long way because I don't feel as mad at people. Like I'm, I'm able to ask for things, like whether that's money and sponsorships. Like I don't feel like I deserve money. I, I am certainly not the best climber in the world. And there are way better climbers than me that don't have half the support I have. But I ask for it. I offer what I can. I try to add value where I can. And I just try to be like, I mean, I'm not saying I'm a good person. I just try to be a good person. And I do that by being kind and understanding that everybody has a shitty day, man. Like when you walk up to someone and they yell at you for no reason or criticize you or whatever, like, dude, how shitty is their day if they're yelling at strangers? You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's like, don't make it about you. And if you don't take things personally, you're going to be able to put yourself out there to do awesome stuff like be a climber or get sponsored or be a published author because you're like, you're not so worried about the criticism you're going to receive. And I, I mean, I think there's something really to that. I realized that was a little bit of a vague and wandering bit of advice. but no, uh, man, I love it. Yeah. Well, that, thank you yeah. very much. Yeah, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, I'm definitely going to... Keep an eye on you. See what see uh, what you're doing, and excited for that show. And cool. if, if there's anything I could do to support. Well, yeah, actually, yeah, I was gonna say one thing. If uh, if any of your like listeners are interested, they can go to mountainstrongtraining.com, and uh, we offer our programming from the gym, like what we do to work out. It's just like two dollars a month, legit. It's like a dollar ninety nine a month. Uh, it's super cheap. We just charge enough to cover our website bills. You can pay the dollar ninety nine a month, and then every day we'll send you a workout of what we're doing at the gym, and uh, it's good stuff. You can email us and ask us advice on how to follow along. We can customize it for you. It's like a bit of a public service thing, a bit of a business venture, um, and it's something we're really proud of. So go out there, check it out. You'll be able to see a little video of what we do at the gym, and uh, and uh, if you ever need anything, just shoot me an email. Awesome, man. Next time someone says, I need to work out, I'm like, oh, really? Well, yeah, I, know I know someone. Yeah. Yeah. Got yeah, yeah, and if you ever find yourself out in Colorado, you hit me up. I'll take you up a mountain. Yeah, I actually need to make it to Colorado. And uh, Hey, Ohio's not that far. You yeah, know? So. yeah. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to let you know. 
All right, man. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on the show. For sure, man. Uh,